this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters Friday. Get tickets now. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and... What do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to your latest edition of the Woke Bros on the Black Opinions Matter Most Network. <laughs> I'm your gracious co-host, Waz, Wazney Lambre, Big Waz, the Haitian sensation, the Haitian irritation, your mama's favorite Haitian. Alongside, as always, my brother and compadre, Michael Shabazz Abdul, Wahad Brooks. What's good, my brother? Wahad. I'm good, man. It's great to be back with you as always. Do we ever get on this episode any editions of you reading erectile dysfunction ads? I don't know that I, I did. I did a Roman read back in the I, days. That was, that was I, a while ago. I just heard one, man. I just heard one on the on the latest bomb. I was. Oh wow, that's I amazing. And, but I, I had not heard that before. I was. The problem with those ad reads, Mike, is that nobody actually believes that I'm having these issues. You know. Right. Right. <laughs> right. I was. Yeah. I was gonna say. You need. There needs to be a baseline of credibility here. Uh, and of course, as always, on the ones and threes, my brother Rob Lopez. Um, before we get into things. Want to tell you guys about some a very limited amount of extra tickets that's, that have been made available for the Count the Dings live show in San Francisco at the Independent on October 12th. 
Of course, all your favorite Counted Dings members, including myself, Amin El Hassan, Tab Abistro, uh, you know, Black Trade, Nissan Bluestein, Jade Hoy, of course, Eden Ludd, Anthony Mays. The, you know, the list goes on and on. Of course, his special guests, we have the Bay Area's own legendary Marcus Thompson of The Athletic and two New York Times bestselling books. Of course, we have the Light Years podcast, Andy Lou and Sam Fendiari in the building. A couple more guests to be added later. You want to get those tickets. You want to be in the building. It's going to be a night to remember. Uh, New York City and the Bay Area in general are commonly known as basically our hubs. So, you know, this show is going to be raucous. People are going to be excited. We're going to be pumped. Every The energy is going to be on another level. Make sure you get your tickets at CountedDings.com. And Mike, tell the people about what you're going to be doing in the city of brotherly love, man. The land of cheesesteaks and overrated Italian food. Yeah, I said it. Oh. <laughs> All right. So Saturday, November 23rd. That's the week before Thanksgiving. Some people already get worried about the dates. It's the week before Thanksgiving. That Saturday at the World's Cafe, which is, by the way, this is the first all-ages TMBS show. Wow. We're going to be live with the usual deal, 25 at the door, 75 for the meet and greet, where we hang out for a couple hours beforehand with me, David Griscom, Matt Leck, the team, and then three great special guests as we do. Artesia Balthrop is going to be there. Shouts to Crystal Artesia, Paul. Mike. I saw, her, I saw her this weekend out in L.A. Shouts to my sister Artesia. It was wonderful running into her. Um, and I know she's going to bring the funk in Philadelphia. Always, always. It's so great to to bring her into the fold like that. I always knew she, I mean, she's, we need to do a lot of work, I think, to get her in front of a lot more microphones. She's a beyond natural. And then two people that I know you've seen a variety of places, including on TMBS, obviously Crystal Ball, co-host of The Rising on the Hill. She used to be at MSNBC. We do a lot of shit. She's great. She's going to be there. Emma Viglin of the Young Turks. Get your tickets. Uh, we just put them up less than a week ago. And I always say this, and it's always true. And this is at the, the upper end of moving fast. So snag them from the link today. All right. Um, on today's show, we're going to get into John Bolton's uh, abrupt departure from the, the Trump administration get into the implications of that. Um, I think there's a couple of ripple effects and me and Mike are going to get into that. Of course, um, you, by now you've all heard about Think Progress shutting his, shutting its doors. They started out in 2007 is basically, you know, trying to hold the Bush administration accountable for its many atrocities and they closed their doors this week. We're going to get into some of the details of that. But first, we're here to preview the Democratic debate which is happening tomorrow, Thursday, September 12th in Houston, Texas at Texas Southern University, which is significant because Texas Southern University is um, an, an historically black college and university. Uh, so that's a pretty historic landmark place that they're having this debate at. We finally got into a place, Michael, where there aren't going to be, you know, 20 people on stage like a Wu-Tang Clan concert. <laughs> um, the field has been whittled down to 10. Of course, the 10, the 10 people on the stage 
Joe Biden, Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, Kamala Harris, Cory Booker, Amy Klobuchar, Mayor Pete, <laughs> Mayor Pete Buttigieg, uh, <laughs> Julian, um, Julian Castro, uh, Beto O'Rourke, and uh, uh, TMB, TMBS and Woke Bros Nemesis Andrew Yang will be round, bringing up the rear and rounding out the stage. Mike, uh, you know, we wanted to preview just to talk about what people can expect. Um, I think for me, right off the bat, Warren has been surging in the polls, um, in her coverage in the media. You know, you could tell she's starting to get taken, you know, a lot more serious is like basically, you know, she's one of the entrenched front runners. So I think finally we're going to get to a point in this debate and rightfully so where people start coming after her because, it, you know, she's got the biggest target on her chest now. Yeah, I think that that's true. I mean, I definitely think that, you know, it's it's time from a variety of perspectives to actually put Elizabeth Warren under the microscope. You know, she's had by far the easiest and most favorable press run of anybody the past several months. And, you know, obviously, um, you know, I, I'll keep stating the obvious. Of course, she's a, you know, infinitely better candidate for the country than uh, Joe Biden or Kamala Harris or one of the, you know, corporatist candidates. But at the same time, on one hand, and, and I don't know if you'll see this at the debate, I still think that you know, it is not likely that Sanders and Warren will really go after each other. But I do think the atmosphere around the debate, uh, people need to get a lot more clear. It's not just that Bernie Sanders is better. He is, right? Like eliminate all student debt versus having a new complicated program. Someone who's 100 percent committed to Medicare for all in a way that's completely in a class of his own. And then when you start adding military and foreign policy questions. She's pretty bad, actually. And he's um, moving significantly in the right direction, has a history in the right direction. So I think some of that is I think the only way that that might come up between the two of them, though, is that just as she's kind of like built her sort of positions around his positions in some respects, now she's starting to copy his message of this campaign is a movement campaign. And the reality is, is that his campaign literally, structurally, is the only one that's a movement campaign. They're the only campaign so far that uses their email lists to benefit causes that are not them directly. In other words, they have raised money for abortion providers in states where women's rights are under attack. They have warned people about ICE raids. Um, they have they're doing a different campaign. So now she's kind of moved from the plan brands to the movement brands and she has credibility on plans, but she doesn't have credibility on the movement. So maybe that will be articulated. I think on the flip side, um, it will be really fun to potentially see Warren uh, and Biden go at it. They have a history uh, you know, she kind of got her start in public as a consumer advocate fighting yes. against uh, this bankruptcy bill that Joe Biden helped usher through when he was in the Senate. He was Hold on, Mike. Senate. I want to I want to um, yeah. interrupt you real quick yeah, because Mike is speaking so eloquently. What he's trying to say is she about to get in Joe Biden's ass. <laughs> about oh, this bankruptcy stuff. <laughs> without a doubt, Joe Biden. Is, I mean, Joe Biden is just absolute. <laughs> 
trash. And I just, Dude. I, I will, I just want to say real quick, and then, I, and then I'm going to pass it back to you. I just think that all of the things about Biden are valid. All of them, whether you're in terms of policy, whether you're talking about Iraq, whether you're talking about the busing issues, all of these things are important. But I, I do really think, honestly, that saying like, dude, you made it impossible for people to discharge their medical debt. You like you middle class Amtrak, blah, 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 Joe, you did a full frontal assault on middle and working class people in this country mm-hmm. because you're a bag man for the credit card industry. Mm-hmm. I think that is the type of attack that really has the most salience. And I, I look forward to seeing it happen. You know why I'm happy that you drew the um, the connection between Warren's ba- um, her background in consumer advocacy and Joe Biden's background in being a whore. Um, (laughs) (laughs) No, the reason why I think it's important too, Mike, is because part of what you said about Elizabeth Warren's easy ass road so far in the media is because when she came out with that, basically she had to acknowledge that she kind of flubbed the Native American ancestral stuff. And that was her coming out like, is she or is she going to run? Like she did the I'm running thing and she attacked that out off the bat and you know the people in the mainstream media again who notoriously get so much of this shit wrong um there was a mass hysteria and like oh my god she'll never do anything in the campaign this is a disaster blah 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 so there was all this hysteria around her candidacy when she came out and so we've been working backwards from that from that moment right and so now that she's right. established and entrenched herself, she's now going to see the other side of that. And I think that's what's coming. And with Joe Biden, it's the opposite. Like he's he's not <laughs> he started out with, yeah, you know, honest Joe and, and Barry's best friend. And he's got the most name recognition and he's destroying everybody in the polls. And now he is just getting riddled with bullets. And by the way, none of this stuff is bullshit. Like that's that's my favorite part about what's happening to Biden right now. Right. Like we all can remember, say, the the Kerry campaign and the Swift bullshit and a lot of the bullshit that happened with Al Gore in his general election or, you know, just some of the nonsense that happened with Bernie or even Hillary in the media. Right. Where they're taking bullets for shit that you and I, even if we don't like Hillary Clinton that much, can be like, all right, this is kind of bullshit. None of that is the case with Joe Biden. Everything he's getting dinged for and killed for, his gaffes, his general just disgusting nature is valid. His, you know, giving the commencement speech at KKK and segregationist dudes on funerals. Like, these aren't bullshit gripes that people are bringing up when it comes to Joe. Uh, so that that's, that's what I'm enjoying the most. Like, he's getting bad pub. He's getting killed in the press he's getting killed on the campaign trail because of legitimate reasons like that 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 gives me a lot of hope here um i do want to touch on some of the other man i just gotta say like when it comes to hillary clinton now that like she isn't the person that is physically in the way of donald trump being president i don't feel a need to like pretend she's fucking awful (laughs) <laughs> and she deserved most of it. Like, like, you know, I, I don't know. 
know. I don't know, man. I mean, look I don't at know. the record, man. Look, I mean, I don't know. I, I like. I think a lot of the stuff. I think a lot of the stuff that Hillary Clinton got straight up killed for is just shit that uh, so many you other know, people in her position. That, but do. here's the thing. No, but here's the thing, man. Like, yes and no, and also she has a base of people that will excuse anything that okay, she Okay, see that's a problem. But I but no, but let's really lay this out here because I, I felt like this got into an awkward position where yes, because there's some conspiracy theories about her and some sexism that we start to forget, like, okay, sure, but this is somebody who is on the Walmart board who is a right-wing senator, who calls black kids super predators. By the time we even get to being under Obama, I just want to really say, I've been hitting this a lot recently. Look at the 2009 coup in Honduras that deposed Manuel Zelaya. People should look this up, man. He was actually a pretty good president. And that whole situation deteriorated from the end. And again, he was like a lula. Not, not that, like... People should have whatever government they want, period, without U.S. or any other interference, obviously. But I'm saying he was a moderate center-left guy doing a little bit for the poor people in this country. And, of course, not good for the U.S. corporations, not good for the Honduran military. Hillary Clinton not only supported that coup to the hilt, which led to the assassination of environmental activists, which— is a part of the reason that's a narco state today that is, of course, supported by Obama and then Trump— in the first edition of her autobiography, she defended her decision to support this coup, which is disgusting. The paperback came out. She just removed the lines. So I just, you know, fuck Hillary Clinton. Like, I don't, you know, this is her I guess what you're saying, Mike, is that time. even like, if she oh. got dinged, even if she got dinged for bullshit, it's cool because there's stuff that she didn't get dinged for that was legitimate. I'm saying if you put Hillary Clinton hashtag body count, uh, what body count are we talking about? <laughs> like, I like, okay, like there's a fantasy one, which I'll say isn't true or, or is silly. Sure. But oh, I mean, I'm not, but I'm not innately offended by the use of that language. I mean, I'm not, this is somebody who used her weight as secretary of state to make sure that Haiti couldn't even raise the minimum wage by a fraction because, oh, no, fruit of the loom. Fuck Hillary Clinton. I, you know, come on, whatever. We don't need to defend her. She's done. <laughs> well, I mean, this wasn't a defense of Hillary Clinton. It's, yeah, no, I, I <laughs> it's just, I mean, I, I'm, I'm happy you got your chance to, uh, to ding Hillary Clinton. Like, that's great. I mean, the point is, a lot of times, there's just bullshit that happens, right? Like, I'm sorry, like, email gate was bullshit. Like, that was bullshit. That was something that she got killed for. That was just bullshit, which... These are things that we need to remain vigilant on. Um, I'm just saying, if you want to contrast email gate with, uh, you know, Joe Biden's record with the banking industry, I don't think there's a comparison there. Which, by the way, Hillary Clinton was getting killed for her gold. The banking industry. No, I'm just saying she was getting killed for the Goldman Sachs stuff. Yeah, like that's just a fact. She did. Bankruptcy bill is what I'm saying. She voted for the same bill. Like she's not, you know, I'm just, you know, and for what it's worth, like Biden, you know, you know, everybody get hit hit for bullshit sometimes. But I think I guess it's like to me, 
I think Clinton and Biden are basically the same candidate, like other than obvious differences in terms of, of course, like it would be they're an- not, though, Mike, because there's no Vince Foster for Joe Biden. Like they're not the same candidate because there's no Vince Foster when you talk about Joe Biden. Oh, that's true. No, there's no, no email and, gate like he just gets his legitimate and be, shit. And it would be a historical breakthrough, obviously, for her to be president. Not, you know, not Biden, obviously. But at the end of the day, they're right wing corporatists with horrific foreign policies who have caused a massive amount of damage in their decades, who brag about their CVs, even though their CVs, what they actually did in their positions were massively destructive to the world. Uh, You know, it is what it is. Uh, it would be hilarious. I mean, nobody would even believe that Joe Biden would have Vince Foster clipped because he would forget Vince Foster's name. Right. Um, <laughs> Although, and- <laughs> he'd be like, we got to go kill that, that guy who Bobby Kennedy was assassinated last week. It's 1983, people. <laughs> Man. In all seriousness, though, Waz, does it not, like, make you a little uncomfortable watching Joe Biden deteriorate like this? I, it doesn't make me uncomfortable. I I kind of predicted this. I, yeah. I Like, I, I saw this coming from a mile away. He's just he's not good at this. He's not built for it. No, no, I'm not talking about not good. I'm talking, like, physically. What do you mean, like, his, his actual mental and, you like. Know, I'm talking about like his he's just eyes starting to bleed in the middle of a forum. We're talking about no, not at all. I, I I've kind of I've kind of um I've kind of turned around on that and like um and even with the the the, the stuff and really what I was getting at is that when we let a lot of the bullshit come to the surface is is like that shit can then be weaponized against anybody else. They can weaponize the bullshit factory if they if they get to do it against Hillary, they'll get to do it against Bernie. Too. Well, is, well that's the no, larger no, point that I'm trying to make. Here's the difference. Here's the difference, though. They will do it against everybody. But the problem is, is like the Clintons were like, you know, they were like the local people on. They were like the local like crew that had your block and they stole from your family restaurant. You had to pay them protection. And. You know, occasionally Bill would hand the chicken out once a year or whatever. But basically they were, you know, they were out for themselves. And then what would happen was, was that there was like a rival crew that was like a genocidal paramilitary. And the Clintons would be like, see, like, yeah, we steal and nothing really works here. But you do need to defend us against these real monsters. And so you're like in this position where – you know, you're it, you're playing a double game. If I have to defend somebody like Sanders and even like and I can get into the ideological, there's big differences with Warren. But even somebody like Warren against them, I don't have to play a double game of like, wow, this makes me sick to have to point out that that's a lie about Hillary Clinton because she. Yeah, really I mean, is you can say the same bad. thing about you can say the same thing about Barry. Um, like, uh, you know, well, you, could, you could say the same thing about Barry on a policy level. No question. And I did. Although with Obama, it it just doesn't have the same 
full spectrum awfulness of the Clintons. I mean, just even down to the Jeffrey Epstein shit, man. Like, like the, they're they're not good. It's good they're gone. <laughs> like it's it's really good. Well, thank God nobody was making that argument on this podcast. But back to <laughs> back to the debate. <laughs> um, um, I know we just went on a huge digression, but I do want to mention uh, the other candidates. And you know, we've been saying for weeks on this show that it's down to three people essentially. Everybody else is everybody else is going to stay in the race because. There's no reason not to. They haven't run out of money yet. The longer they stay, the more popular become name recognition. And this goes to book sales and whatever they want to do when they're finished not running for president or if they want to do it the next cycle. Like, that's why these people are going to stay in the race. Like, Kamala Harris is not going to win the Democratic um, – the nomination for the Democratic Party. Neither is Cory Booker. Right. Neither is Amy Klobuchar, but they're going to stay in the race because, you know, it's good for their brands, for lack of a better um, word for it, for them to stay in. But, you know, I think they'll have interesting contributions. I don't want to just shun them and say, oh, they're they're now irrelevant in this whole thing. Uh, I think, you know, <laughs> Klobuchar is one of those three that's had anything worth saying as Cory Booker. I don't I mean. Right. Amy Klobuchar, she's a, just a pure corporate whatever. She's barely even a blip. I think Harris – I mean I actually thought Harris would be a lot more formidable in the beginning. But I think honestly she's just – I mean did you see that video where some guy called Trump mentally retarded to Harris and she said like well put and laughed. And then it became you know like oh you can't say that or whatever. And so – Two hours later, she's literally saying, oh, I didn't hear him say that. It's like it's the type it's the type of lie that is like she's so like it's like you can't. I think she's of. I think even though she's young, she's politically just of a different yeah, era. She's of a like, different time. She's it's like everybody time. has their phones out. Maybe there was a time where you could lie like that and then you put your you know person out on the news and. That goes with this other, you know, and we kind of can spin it out, but it's like everybody just saw that. Like, what do you game doing? Is past, the game has passed her by that way. She's sort of like a mini disc player in that way. Um, yeah. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, totally. You know, uh, and again, these, these, these guys are, are gone basically and they're going to be they're going to stick around for a while they have they they've been able to fundraise they got a little bit of support there and again it's good for them to be out meeting people getting their name out there to become basically more famous uh just not to not to you know belabor the point but this is literally why people stay in the race far longer than you know it makes sense for them to as far as can they win like that this is why you're going to see that now i wanted to pivot to what I would like to see happen. Um, and I want to get your thoughts on this. Yeah, tell me. I think for Bernie, and we talked about this on previous shows about Biden and what makes like Biden and Bernie are two different candidates for like a trillion reasons. But even at the base of what they're trying to do, Bernie's making an affirmative argument for stuff where Biden's just basically like, you know, Stand pat, status quo, whatever. I want to see Bernie make sure that he is effectively making the case for all of his positions. Because it's not enough to just say, we want to get $15 an hour. Here's why, right? Because it's like, I think people underrate 
how attractive it is for when people say, well, hold on. Why don't we go to 11? Right. Like because in people's minds, when they're not just being like when it's when they're not being walked down, why it's important to do this one thing. It's like, well, shit. Yeah, maybe we should do gradual. That always sounds good in people's minds. And so the people who are espousing those views and I think Warren does that a lot. Right. Where she's like, well, let's just ease it on down. (laughs) Right. They always come (laughs) off as reasonable. And that sounds attractive to people. And so I think it's incumbent upon Bernie to make the case for his arguments, not to just just state what they are. But he has to make those cases um, because that's how I think he's going to be able to overtake Elizabeth Warren. It's not going to be enough to have the better ideas. He has to make the case for them. I mean, I think that that's true. And also, though, I do want to caution, like, these polls are all over the place. A new poll just came out. He is just ahead of everybody now in New Hampshire. And that's the first time that anybody's taken the lead over Biden. And it's Bernie, not Warren. And his ground game and everything else is the best of anybody's. So I think, you know, like it's he's not falling behind her. I really do think. That's no, I didn't say he was falling her. behind, but I think she's, yeah, no, his, no, I he's, she's, she's his opponent, for lack of a better yeah, word. Yeah. Yeah. That's just how I, I mean, feel at this point. No, I think that that's true. I mean, it's hard because I do – I think like, you know, his first debate was fine. His second debate was very strong. And to some extent, I do think the formula kind of works where it's like, look, you know, when Bernie's up on stage and Warren to a lesser extent, but particularly Bernie, it's like – everybody's against him, right? Like, and in a weird way, it's like, first, everybody's against them because like, you know, the moderators, journalists, they're, you know, they, you know, the last debate was embarrassing. The whole thing was literally like CNN anchors trying to sick like weird idiots like John Delaney on Bernie Sanders, you know? So I think you have this dynamic where everybody's against him, but then also all trying to copy him with the exception of Biden, right? Like, and it's all, they're all basically saying, I'll give you what Bernie's promising without, you know, you don't, you can feel comfortable. And I think that's very revealing because I do still think like when you get into the polling and you're like, okay, Bernie is crushing it with young people, with working class people across all demographics. Most of Warren's supporters are affluent white educated people. So they're the types of people who, and, you know, all love, all love, whatever, you know, but, you know, they are the types of people who <laughs> maybe take themselves a little Mark's bit too like, seriously. You know, all good. I don't want to throw them down the stairs, you know, and no, watch them I, die, I just, but, just, you know, no, it's, it's the type of people, you know, look, some of them are the type of people, honestly, who are listening to this, who are, you know, are, some of them are really on point, brilliant, passionate people and others of them are the kind of people who, you know, the truth is they don't know the policy details of anything, but they do know who somebody in the New York Times said was serious. And I think that, to be honest, like part of Bernie's appeal. So it's a it's a mixed bag. One thing is like he has to be clear and effective and he has to explain why and he has to be on his feet. No question. Just like you say. And that's why his first debate was mediocre and his second debate was better significantly. But I also think there is something to like his formula is clear. His formula is simple. It works. 
and it, you know, and, and there is some element where it's like the kind of self-important people and the punditocracy and the Chris Matthews and the, and the like, yeah, you know, Bernie's making the same point again. Like, yeah. You know, like, like, maybe I'll make a different point when people have healthcare, you fucking idiots. And let's just keep it moving. Because in some ways this is also, you know, this isn't, I, I think the last thing I'll say, I mean, if these were like a European style, like, you know, open forum, actual conversation slash debate, no time limits, Bernie and Warren would shine the best because they're literally the only thing with anything, anybody with anything in depth to say. And it's not to say that other candidates don't have that capacity, but that's not the campaigns they're running. You know, how Kamala Harris cannot spend in sustained interrogation well you want single payer for all but you want to phase it in over 10 years why do you want to cost so many people their lives for something that's purely optics and incidentally leaves you unaccountable even if you want a second term you know that's something you could blow off in a soundbite in one minute but not in a real conversation yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to this. I'm happy that they've whittled it down. That the whole 25 people, three debates, blah 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 nonsense oh, was terrible. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing Joe Biden get his bell rung, as I mentioned earlier. Um, <laughs> make sure you guys tune into NBC at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. This will, yeah, this will probably be up by Thursday. So if you're listening to this Thursday during the day, um, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on NBC Democratic Debate for um the nomination for president. All right, moving on to, you know, sad news to um that that came out. Uh, Think Progress has shuttered its doors. It's now over. Um, Think Progress was basically the editorial arm for uh, the Democratic Think Tank Center for American Progress. Uh, they basically were operating at a loss for years. Um, and, they, you know, they decided to close their doors. I'm not going to lie, Mike. The first thing that came to my mind when this happened, I'm like, it, it's hard for me to imagine that the Koch brothers would have let something like uh, 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 so an endeavor like this that was conservative or libertarian or whatever the fuck we call in the Cokes or the Coke now that the one guy died. Um, th- it's hard for me to imagine that they'd let this thing die for this little money. Um, no, where what, are our what, fucking Cokes? Well, that's <laughs> the thing. Well, and this is actually a lot. This is a really dirty story because the way this actually happened and there's a, there's a history here. I'll recommend a really good piece that, uh, Alex Perrine wrote for the New Republic called Think Progress Was Always Doomed. Independent journalism fits uncomfortably with mainstream think tank politics. So formally, Think Progress was supposed to operate independently of Center for American Progress, which is, you know, like, you know, a corporate establishment, you know, handsomely funded, gets lots of money from pharmaceutical companies, defense, uh, I believe financial services, I think also defense contractors, I think some, I think the United Arab Emirates, like this is not a progressive institution, right? And it's not to say that there aren't some decent ideas and good people that come out of there or whatever. And, you know, and it also, 
um, you know, even people like me, I, I, I kind of genuinely even hoped post 2016, maybe like, you know, this, this obviously isn't going to be my politics, but like maybe that people are sincere that they understand the democratic party needs to be a big tent and you can't just, you know, uh, try to destroy people who represent working people in the country like Bernie Sanders. So, and, and, and so there's always been a problem, though, and I'm saying this goes back even like 10 years where people that I knew, like Eli Clifton, who's a really good national security journalist, wrote some things that were, um, you know, honest about the Israeli occupation of the Palestinian territories. Uh, he was called in for meetings with the head of the Center for Think Progress. Now, that's supposed to be a total no-no in terms of them having an independent editorial voice. So there's always been a really big tension there. And the move, though, that's really foul is that, first of all, you're you're right in the like the Koch brothers, ironically, like for some reason, conservative philanthropists, fascist philanthropists are much less egotistical. And I and if you read about the Kochs, it's like they're talking like, you know, let's treat this like startups. Let's fund, you know, dozens of things. If a bunch of them fail, cool. Maybe we'll get some insights, right? Like, obviously, we have money to burn. And I think part of it is that, you know, wealthy Democratic donors obviously don't really want to donate to actual progressive stuff because that would touch their money. Uh, but there's also this kind of like broader lack of strategy. So, uh, but what actually happened in this case was that for, is that the Think Progress team formed a union and basically, uh, it was announced about a week ago that the Center for American Progress laid off all of the team members and that they wouldn't be like brought back into cap. They were just, they were just fired. Right. And so everybody's on Twitter like, oh, this sucks. It's too bad. It must be a funding thing. A day later, Cap, and I'm just going to quote real briefly now from uh, Perrine. Days later, Cap announced that Think Progress would continue publishing material by its in-house think tank staff at a new version of the site, becoming in essence an institutional blog. It was quit pretty quickly pointed out to Cap's top brass that this amounted to firing an entire unionized staff and running the site with scabs. So that plan was canceled. So it's just kind of like it, it's just on so many levels. Like there's the obvious cynicism yeah. of it, but there's also the like and I this think, and this does you, bring me back to Clinton. At. Like how fucking stupid can you be that you think you're gonna be able to do this in public and this isn't gonna look bad? I think that's the central tension of the Democratic Party and in and in essence the the Republican Party, right? Like that the party is populated by normal people and obscenely rich people. Right. And there's always going to be a tension there. Our normal people happen to just be that normal people. Republicans happen to be bigots and, you know, sexist and, you know, right. it's just, you know, whatever. But I'm just saying, like, that's the central tension of the party like that, that um, the Center for American Progress would be against unionization of a sector within their institution just doesn't make any sense unless you consider the fact that it's a bunch of centrist fucks who don't like unionization anyway. They don't respect labor. 
Uh, that's th- like there's there's no re- like you can't call yourself the center for American progress if you're against labor. Like it just doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And I think to me, that's always going to be the central tension within the party, um, within, you know, whatever the fuck we're calling progressivism in this country is that money is constantly getting in the way of shit. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, and for what it's worth, like they, you know, I maybe they don't even like, you know, maybe because all of these people have said things that are pro union. They actually also do get funding from unions. I imagine those unions are enraged. I hope so. But at the end of the day, the you know the the baseline's assumptions are the assumptions of the oligarchy and of the corporations. That's what leads to this. And so, really, I mean, you know, obviously, like for me with like TMBS and stuff, I'm part of a different ecosystem, and. We need to just figure out how to keep building that ecosystem because also at the end of the day, you know, for Republicans, that's synchronized. Like, you know, yep. we have wealthy oligarchs funding people that are pretty overtly the vehicle of wealthy oligarchs. When you get to, you know, the center left and the left, there's a huge tension there. And it's only going to get bigger as, you know, people like, you know, Bernie Sanders actually try to really deliver real things for real people. And that means that, you know, rich people can't just sit on everything. <laughs> we're going to we're going to take back what they took. Yeah. And, you know, I just want everybody who's listening. The, the reason why we wanted to talk about this thing, progress is like, yeah, I like think progress. I, I read their stuff. It's, it's kind of about more than what they were putting out. It's what this entire ordeal represents. Right. Um, and that's why we wanted to hit on it. I think Mike um, bought some fantastic points. Now, uh, before we wrap up the show, of course, we want to talk about John Bolton. Did he quit? Was he fired? Um, you never really know with the Trump organization, with the Trump administration. Like it's oh, usually always both. He was fired. Oh, he was fired. Okay, beautiful. So John Bolton was fired from his position within the administration. He was, you know, one of the the, the, the top foreign policy advisors in the entire administration. And, you know, if you knew anything about Bolton, his, like, his hugest thing was, like, he was a fucking hawk. Like, he was about as hawkish as it got in Washington, which is kind of crazy to say, right? Like, the the atmosphere down there, especially with these, like, you know, these people who fancy themselves as foreign policy experts, like they can get pretty hawkish. Like you think about somebody like Lindsey Graham specifically, like John <laughs> Bolton Graham. was to the right of that dude. Lindsey Graham. What a I know. Football. I know. I know. Jesus I know. Christ. But I, I thought it was I thought it was interesting because to me right now, the most not the most important, but one of the, the hottest topics in American foreign policy is what's happening with Iran. And Bolton was the loudest voice in the room when it came to let's go get them. Let's go get them now. Let's go get them in the most overt, muscular, extreme way possible. And the crazy thing is, um, Mike, it's this weird thing about Trump. Like he knows that war is not a winner. <laughs> like, he, yeah. like he's like, that's not a winner. For, like people don't want that shit. Like nobody wants it. Um, that, that's the weirdest thing. Like he, he has these things that he knows, like instinctually, he's like, people don't want that. That doesn't work. That's, exactly. that's not going to make me popular. That's not going to get me cool points. So I don't want to do it. It's not even like I'm opposed to fucking up Iran. It's just like, people don't want that. 
Um, I just thought it was interesting that the guy got canned. Yeah, no, I mean, look, it's 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 a hundred percent good news from the perspective of you know, like the well-being of the world, which is you know trying to fight back against a, an invasion, a war on Iran, which would just be an absolute catastrophe in every possible sense. Uh, it, maybe even for other things like the attempt to you know re- regime change in Venezuela. I think like you know, and I'll, and it was funny. It's it, it's always funny, like you know when. Trump, the whole dynamic of like the biggest asshole in the world when he clowns the other biggest assholes in the world, like that's the most satisfying part. Like the scumbag on scumbag violence is like the fun part of the Trump administration. So, you know, you have this just monster who's just caused so much harm and is just such a force of grotesque evil like John Bolton. And he gets humiliated, as he should. Now, unfortunately, obviously, it's Donald Trump doing it. Donald Trump's, like, the worst. But, you know, there is, like, a big comedic element to watching this, like, war-crazed egomaniac scramble. Like, I, I wasn't going to be fired. I, you know, I was. I resigned. You know, like, oh, yeah, okay, whatever, John. Um, I think, yeah, and, and, and this is also the part, too, where, you know, look, Trump— Obviously, Trump can't be trusted to handle any of this. But at the end of the day, like, you know, you still hear these like weeny, whiny, like liberal kind of like, you know, like they are so fixated on Trump that they're almost willing to like be like, you know, he chose North Korea over John Bolton. And it's like, oh, yeah, shut up. Absolutely. Like, what What are you? What does that even mean? good thing about having Trump be pre- like like any other Republican they are actually lockstep committed to this insanity and because in his crackpot egomania he intuits some things I mean thank God I don't know what the fuck you want to have happen it's I don't great. I don't get that I don't I don't get the yeah. everything yeah. North Korea is bad which I don't really actually buy like as an idea. Like I, I just don't. I, I don't understand how you could buy that as an idea. But like anything North Korea related has to be horrific. So Trump has to be against it all the time. Even if John Bolton is for it, it's like that. That that doesn't make any sense. Um, I'm sorry. Like this is a great outcome. Like John Bolton is a fucking idiot, and he's a madman, and he's bloodthirsty, and he's gone. Right. Like that's that's it. That's the story here, folks. We don't have to make this more complicated than it it already is. Like this is good news. If you're a progressive, if you're a lefty, you should be fucking celebrating today. Hundred percent. And all the way down to the fired over Twitter. Like, you know, (laughs) the only people in the world who deserve what Donald Trump does are the are, you know, John Bolton, Jeb Bush, Marco Rubio, Ted Cruz. Like this is the only thing that like if 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 he was not president and he had no power him like someone was like, you know, the real like like Bernie's president and Trump should be like the national court gesture. And like that's right. Exactly. I mean, that's that's he's kind of been doing both jobs. Yeah, yeah he's been double dipping. <laughs> he's been double dipping. For sure. Since, since he got here. Um, 
Man, um, yeah, I just thought that was something that was important, uh, especially the Iran question, because it's something that we basically have to be paying attention to so long, specifically so long as there's a Republican in the White House, because the, the and, you know, there's some of that in the orthodoxy of the Democratic Party establishment when it comes to foreign policy. Right. Like there's a lot of that Iran. Let's go get them. Blah, 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 blah. Shit. Like Barry was smart enough to be like, I, I don't see why we have to do this. Like, <laughs> like, this, like this whole like, let's act like we have to take this extremely aggressive posture at all costs with Iran. Like that kind of that's not really doing anything for us. So he switched that up. But I don't think Hillary Clinton was with him on that. Um, we know Chuck Schumer ain't with him on that. Uh, you know, I just think it's important that we, that we're paying attention to this Iran idea. And a lot of people just don't understand, like, oh, why are we why? Why is the U.S. still so obsessed with Iran? The fucking coup was 50 years ago, blah, 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 blah. Like, that's kind of the point. Like, what you got to explain to people is that they kicked our guy out. <laughs> they kicked our guy out and they never paid for it. As far as some of these people are concerned, that's how they see it. It's like we never made these motherfuckers pay for it. And a lot of these cats, they just got it stuck in their craw. They're like, we have to do something to these people. You don't just get to do this to you to, to America. You don't just get to oust our guy in a fucking coup overnight. Um. And 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 we do nothing about it. And and like it sounds crazy, but this shit is basically about that. <laughs> like that's the long and the short of it of why we still care about Iran. Um Absolutely. anyway, moving on to our digging in the crates segment of the show every week. We try to give you guys uh something in culture that we read, that we listened to, that we watched um as a suggestion. Um for me. This week, Mark Spears of TheUndefeated.com, again, ESPN's Black Culture website. You'll remember we had Aaron Dodson on to talk with Nipsey Hussle. He's of The Undefeated. Mark Spears sat down with David Stern for a rare one-on-one interview, and they touched on a bunch of shit from the dress code to, you know, uh, labor disputes to all kinds of things. And David Stern doesn't talk to anybody because basically he doesn't have to anymore. Um, and I just thought it was a fascinating conversation uh, with with a guy who, you know, he's changed the face of American sports in a lot of positive ways. But, you know, his tenure was not perfect at all. I, and Mark is one of the best in the business. And so um, I thought that was a fascinating read. So check out uh, Mark Spears. Sit down on the undefeated dot com with David Stern when you get a chance. Uh, dope. Um, there's a book. It's it, some of it's a little dated, but it's it's actually cool. I was thinking because we were talking about Iran. Really easy to read, fun book about Iran. It's called The Ayatollah Begs to Differ by a guy named Human Majd, which is H O O M A N M A J D, and he actually has a. I don't know what the current situation is, but he actually was somebody who. Um, has a dual citizenship, I believe, between the United States and Iran. His father was an ambassador, and he was an executive and developer at Island Records. So I've actually hung out with Kuman a few times, and every time, like, I just get a lot of smoke on my clothes because he's a dapper dresser, and at least he was, he used to be a really big smoker. And uh, we would talk about Bob Marley and the reggae business and all of that. 
and what's cool about this book, though, is he he has like a really ground up view of Iran and like how the Iranian government thinks. And it's not like a defense pro, but it's also definitely, you know, it's just kind of like, you know, here's what it is. Um, and he wrote a follow-up book called the ministry of guidance invites you to not stay. And those books are a really good way of, I think, kind of getting a flavor of the Iranian perspective that again, is not, I mean, I guess it's kind of pro certain reform elements in Iran, but overall it's just a very entertaining, well-written way of getting a grip on this place. That's so like mythologized in America. So I would check those out. Awesome. You want to know a funny thing, a fun fact about LA, Mike? Um, Yeah. the, The word Iranian does not exist. Nobody says that word. Everybody who is Iranian is Persian. (laughs) Like they, nobody refers to Iranian people as Iranian in Los Angeles. Everybody is Persian. I asked, I asked somebody why that is. And you know, and it was an Iranian person and the long and short of it was just like, Iran has a terrible brand. (laughs) So (laughs) I'd rather be called a Persian. (laughs) That's basically the long, which is so LA by the way. Um, but yeah, that's just a, just an interesting little factoid about LA. You won't hear somebody refer to a person from Iran as Iranian, right? You know, it's so funny. I, never, I actually noticed that now. <laughs> yeah, I didn't put that together before, but I noticed that. That's really funny. Yeah, that's our show for today. Make sure you guys are subscribed. Make sure you rate us five stars, please. I, it's only going to take you a couple of seconds to go in the app, give us five stars. Leave a glowing review. Don't leave a half-assed one. You might as well not leave anything if you're not going to leave a glowing... All positive or nothing at all. Yes, please. Thank you. But, of course, make sure you're a TMBS patron. Make sure you're a Count the Dings patron. Um, Shouts to all of our current patrons right now. Like... Uh, we really love and appreciate your support. It allows for us to do so so much of the great shit that we put out, you know, on a day-to-day basis. So we want to thank the patrons for that. Uh, we will see you guys next week. Uh, for Michael Brooks, I'm Big Waz. Uh, we out. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.